so good to see each and every one of you this morning. I want you to know that truly that it does, it does my heart so good to see you all here. Thank you, Pastor Cole and Eva, for the kind words, and those are gratefully received. And I, I, there's some things I really want to echo, some things that Pastor Cole and Eva just shared with us, but it truly is an honor and a privilege for us to be able to host and to welcome uh, in our congregation, in our team, and in our staff. It's a true honor and privilege to be able to host Pastor Lee and Denise Boggs with us, uh, not just today, but they've been here with us for several days now doing ministry. And um, I want to say this about their life, that when we are successful in life, it's easy to make friends. You know, when you got a lot of money in your pocket, you, when it's payday, you got a lot of friends. You know, let's go eat. Let's go watch the game. Let's go shopping. Let's go to Vegas. There's a lot of Las Vegas friends in our life. When, when the dice are going our way, everybody's, woo! But then there's another kind of friend. And when the money fades and the success fades and when you stumble and you fall and when you find yourself in the lowest points and places of your life, you'll find, if you haven't already, that a lot of those Las Vegas friends are nowhere to be found. There's a kind of friend, the scripture says, there's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. And those are the kind of friends that when your life is in shambles, and it's so bad that people don't want to look at you. They don't want to talk to you. They, they don't want to be associated with you. There are some people who they won't leave your side. And there's some people that when the wounds of your life are bleeding out everywhere, they'll come and with tenderness and with care. They'll help heal and mend and bind up the wounds of your life. You remember the parable of the Good Samaritan? And how that man, he was a stranger to the one that was hurt. And he went above and beyond to help meet the needs of that broken man. I need you to know something today that um, I went through a season in my life where I was busted. And I was bleeding out and I was muddy. I was a mess. I mean, I was a mess. My marriage was a mess. My family was a mess. And I will always bless the day that I got, got off that plane in Tennessee. Now, they're not in Tennessee now, but I first met Pastor Lee there in Tennessee, and I was welcomed into that home and into that ministry. Lee and Denise Boggs were not repulsed by my brokenness. And they were patient. They were kind. Not only did they want to help, through years of obedience and humility, God had taught them the skill of how to help. And so I, we lived, Holly and I lived in their home for three months almost. My kids were there for a bulk of that. So my family lived in their home. And every day, they would feed our bodies. Denise would be up till late at night counseling us. And then I'd wake up in the morning thinking I was tired. And you'd hear her in the kitchen making pancakes and grits and biscuits. She lo they loved on my children. And not one time, not once, did they ever judge me for my brokenness? They gave and they gave and they gave and they gave. And you remember what I said when I began this little story about Las Vegas friends? Do you want to know something? They've never one time asked me to repay them. As of this moment, very moment, they've never come and said, 
hey, you owe me for that. Not one time. Not one time. They've treated Holly and I like family. They've treated my children like their family. And I'm taking time this morning because the Bible says to give honor where honor is due. So we honor God. He, he works. He does the heavy lifting. But He has to partner with people. Somebody has to be willing to say, God, if you need me to love them, I'll be the one. God, if you need me to sacrifice my money, my time, my energy so that you can put that life back together, God, you can use me. I say that Lee and Denise Boggs are servants of God. And I have benefited, benefited maybe more than any person alive from their willingness to serve God. And I have benefited for the tremendous heart for people that God has given them. I would not be married today if it were not for God working through them. And I certainly would not be able to be a pastor today if it were not for God working through their life. And so before everyone claps, I want to say loud and proud and clear that Lee and Denise Boggs, the scripture says that when you raise children in God's ways and you teach them God's ways, that your children will rise up and call you blessed. And I'm not your blood, and I wouldn't pretend to be. You have treated me like a son. And so before everyone hoops and hollers and claps, I want to declare over you, and I want to say to you that for whatever level, Holly and I are spiritual children to you. I call you blessed. In the name of the Lord, may your lives be blessed. May your home be blessed. May your pocketbook be be blessed. May the Lord who has brought you this far, may He continue to keep you. I call you blessed because you have many testimonies today. And I know this, that when you cross over to the other side, you will be blown away by the people who are standing in line, hopefully behind me, to say thank you. Thank you for your willingness to be used by the Lord. Now, can the Gate Church, can you help me show honor to parents and generals of our faith. I love you. I love you. Now come on, somebody. God's using these people to save lives and put families back together and give children their mamas and daddies back. And Help keep churches going. Generals of the faith. My goodness. My goodness. Gracious, I feel good already. Feels good to bless what God has blessed, doesn't it? You know, speaking of soldiers in the faith you know we have a very special couple in our church here that they're very humble and a lot of times they're very private uh, not, not because they're weird or awkward they just are not boastful about what it is that God has asked them to do or what he uses them to do but there's a couple in our church named Matt and Janice Bennett but they've been long time members of this congregation and Janice is sitting just right there, I think. I'm pretty sure that's Janice. I'm sorry, that's right at the edge of my contact lens, I can see. But um, they have had, for many years, they've cultivated ministry in Turkey. And so many of us are familiar with that that region of the world has been devastated with tremendous earthquakes. And so Matt and Janice, for years, have traveled to that region of the world, among many others. But they've traveled to that region of the world and... Um, they've leveraged, uh, they're very, very smart, gifted people, and they've leveraged all that God has given them to train and equip the church there in Turkey. And uh, Matt is actually not in service today because he's gone to Turkey by himself because he's going to be meeting with pastors to assess what can he do to help them. And so um, as they were sharing with me what was on their heart and what God was doing, I felt compelled as a pastor that 
they have their they have their own ministry that they steward and I just want to say this that if God number one open your heart for the Lord to speak to you but then number two if uh, if you have been moved or compelled by the devastation in that part of the world I strongly encourage you to consider partnering with Matt Janice's ministry uh, you can access their ministry through our worship guide and so we have helped set up a link that will help you connect to their ministry so that you can give and support but I, um, besides just financial resource I strongly encourage you to consider that partnership I consider their work to be good ground and so I strongly encourage you to consider those things but I actually wanted to pray for Matt this morning would it be okay if we do that today this, that the Lord will protect him and keep him as he travels do you, do you mind to help me do that this morning this man he's a soldier of the faith that he's been sent on assignment uh, and he's traveling alone and so we want God to go with him and protect him so if you wouldn't mind just bowing your heads let's pray briefly together Lord we lift up Matt to you today and Lord I don't even know where he is right now but Lord you do and Lord, I know that your authority and your power does not know boundaries. And Lord, there's a story in your scripture that says, all you have to do, Lord, is speak a word and your power will be made manifest. And so, Lord, we're in Oklahoma City today. And Lord, we speak a word over Matt Bennett as he travels. We speak grace to you, man of God. We speak the anointing of God to you, for you, and over you man of God and that you'll not just be a man who's moved with soulish temporary compassion but that you will carry the compassion of God to that nation on which God has sent you and connected you we call you blessed Matt Bennett but Lord we pray for the peace of God to be with him the peace of God and Lord we pray that the wisdom of God will speak to him and lead him and guide him and that, Lord, he's a very smart man. He's a very talented man in his own right, but that, Lord, you will take the giftings that you've given him and you will supercharge by the power of your spirit and that not only will he be able to hear with compassion and listen with compassion, but that, Lord, you will put an anointed word in his mouth. And so, Lord, we bless today Matt and Janice Bennett and the burden for the nations that you've laid on their heart. And we pray these things in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen and amen. I'm sure some of you are, you know, maybe wishing we'd get on with it. The scripture says that Jesus will leave the 99 and go after the one. There's some things that Jesus will make time for. I think sometimes it's good to make time for the one. Does that feel all right? I'm so excited to launch into a new sermon series with us all today. If you don't mind, I'm going to try to sit a little bit. For some reason, I woke up this morning, I am profoundly tired. And so uh, I'm going to sit for a little bit. Y'all know that's probably going to last about 30 seconds, but I'm going to try. So I hope that's not off-putting to you. But I have a, we want to launch into a new sermon series today. And I'm so excited to launch this series that we have decided to call Wanted, Dead, or Alive. So many of you, like me right now, you can hear John Bon Jovi in your head. Whew, I've seen a million faces, and I rocked them all. Whew. Oh, Lord, did you hear that? The, the anointing of 1986 just jumped right into 2023. That was the... Golden age of the middle class white man right there. Mullets, Bon Jovi, and Trans Am. That is as good as it got for white boys in Oklahoma right there. That's as good as it's ever going to get for us. But we want to take some time in this Wanted series, and we actually want to take time and analyze the story of David. And I felt the Lord tell me very strongly that we are supposed to take some time and examine and understand the story of David, the process of David, because I believe that God did things in David's life that are very, very valuable for all of us right here today. And so many of you know that before David was king, there was a man named Saul who was king. And many times when we go to start talking about David, we have mean things to say about Saul. And many of them are justified. Saul's story does not end well. In fact, it ends in great tragedy. But that is not how his story began. 
And so I believe a great place for us to begin this conversation about God's goodness to us and His faithfulness to us and His processing for us. I believe a great place to start this conversation is with the story of Saul. So if you have your Bibles today, if you'll open up to the book of 1 Samuel. The book of 1 Samuel. I'm going to read to you a very short passage from chapter 8. And then we're going to be moving along through different passages during the day. But the scripture says this. It came to pass that when the prophet Samuel was old, he had made his sons judges over Israel. So at this point, there is no king. There is no court. There is no centralized government. There were heroes that we would call judges. The Bible calls judges. We would call them heroes. There were judges that were raised up. And God would use these heroes in mighty ways to speak the word of the Lord and to commit the acts of the Lord. And that they would even wage war on the Lord's behalf to protect His people. All along, God was faithful to His people. The story of the judges is that right when you think the end is near, God will raise up someone. And I want to let you in on a little secret that in Judges, God raises up great men who were heroes. And God also raises up great women who were heroes that led the nation. One of those heroes was a special lady named Deborah, who she ruled and God used with her wisdom and discernment. That's good preaching right there. We're familiar with a man like Samson, who with the jawbone of a donkey killed a thousand Philistines in an afternoon. Now you might think you a bad dude. Most of you have never killed anyone. You've probably never killed anyone when you were outnumbered. You've definitely never killed anyone with a jawbone. And you definitely hadn't killed a thousand dudes with a jawbone in an afternoon. He's a bad dude. This time of judges is coming to an end. And Samuel's appointed his sons to be judges. And the scripture gives the names of these sons. It says this in verse 3, But his sons did not walk in his ways. They turned aside after dishonest gain. They took bribes and they perverted justice. They were corrupt. Nothing worse than a corrupt judge. Nothing worse than people who their assignment and responsibility is to serve the well-being of the nation. And they sell their office for selfish gain. It's wicked in the eyes of God. And the people, the elders of Israel, they recognize this. These boys are not cut out for it. And if I may say this about that, that blood is never a good reason to inherit responsibility. That was good preaching right there for somebody. Just because your son loves you as a father doesn't mean that he's qualified to rule and steward what God's asked you to rule and steward. The scripture says that a faithful servant will rule over a son of inheritance. Good preaching right there. We'll save that for another day. The elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel at Ramah. And they said to him, look, Samuel, look, you are old. And your sons do not walk in your ways. Now make us. I want to emphasize that. Now make us a king to judge us like all the nations. And I would just want to add one little word in there that are in other translations. Make us a king to judge us like all the other nations. So if you don't mind, I'd like to pray just briefly and ask for the Lord's help. Lord, I ask that you anoint me to teach and preach today. Lord, I humble myself before you and I call it an honor to preach your word. Lord, I open my heart first, and we as a congregation, we open our hearts to the word of life, your eternal life-giving word. We're coming today, Holy Spirit, saying, feed us the word of the Lord. Lord, I ask that you use me to this end and that you cause my words to be like loving arrows that will pierce through the bad things of life. 
And these arrows won't bring death, but that they'll bring life. And Lord, we promise you all the glory and all the credit that is due. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Daniel and Sarah. I liked hearing Daniel sing this morning. He did a great job, didn't he? Did you know there was another time in the Bible when the people of Israel came to the prophet of the nation and they said, we want you to make us something. There was a time in Exodus 32 when God had just delivered the people from slavery. Moses is up on the mountain getting a word from the Lord and the people went to Aaron, the high priest or the head priest, and they said, hey, Moses, we don't know where he's at. God's not said anything in about 20 minutes. And so in their immaturity, they panicked and they went to Aaron and said, we want you to make us gods. And so we all know that story that Aaron melted down their earrings and their jewelry that they brought out of Egypt and they, he formed it into a golden calf. And I'm telling you, there are few things that will get God's attention in a negative way like idolatry. Because one of the things that God says he will not tolerate... God doesn't share you. He doesn't want to share you. He says about himself when it comes to us, I'm a jealous God. Can I say something about a husband? You know, I like it as a husband when we're in a, we're in a mixed crowd or we're in a group of ladies and my wife won't leave my side. Now, I'm not handsome and I'm not very charming and so... I w I'm not like a ladies' man or, a, you know, like a chick magnet or anything like that. But my wife is still jealous over me. And I'm like, I like that. And she don't like to share. And she, she might be a little jealous, but I'm a lot jealous. Because, see, I, love, I don't just love my wife. I like my wife. I love my wife like sharks love blood. I just can't get enough. Put your teeth in it. Just, that's good. I like that. Do you know that's how God feels about you? When he sees you being seduced and lured by ideas and when he sees you submitting your life to another kind of authority that's not of him, he says, I don't like that because you're mine. I've loved you with an everlasting love and I knew you before you were even in your mother's womb. I knew you and I formed you and, and I made you intricately. That means he took his time. He even knows the number of hairs on your head, and he doesn't like it. He's jealous when you want somebody else to be God in your life. And that is, in essence, what these people were saying. And so you may be waiting for the preaching to start, but I've already been going for a few minutes here. I need to let the church know something today, that when you can't be God's people and fit in with the nations. Hmm, going to be one of them kind of days. All right. Let me say it one more time. You can't be God's people and fit in with the nations. If you are a son of God, if you are a daughter of God, there will always be an aspect of your life. There will always be some things that are awkward for you. There will be some times, there will be some groups that you go into and you'll walk away saying, I don't know that I fit in there. And I need to say some things to the gate church that if we find ourselves fitting in with the world too easily, we need to be doing some soul searching. We need to be doing some question asking. If my marriage looks just like the, all the marriages in the world, then I, I got some work to do. If I'm a husband, if I take all of my wisdom and counsel as a husband from the husbands of the world, then that's a mistake. And if I want to love my wife how the world loves their wives, then that's a mistake. The scripture actually teaches in the New Testament, don't love your wives how the Greeks love their wives. I want you to love yours how God wants you to. And so the world, they clamor for authority figures. I believe this, that people deep down in our hearts, we were made. God made us this way on purpose. We want to be ruled. We just don't want a bad ruler. In the absence of a ruler, we'll settle for a bad one. Sometimes the reason why the world puts more hope in government than it does the church is because we have failed and we have relinquished our authority and our job and our responsibility. And so in the absence of leadership, they say, well, I guess we'll hope in the government. But God clearly condemns this and says, this is not the way. And so God tells Samuel this, Samuel, I want you to do what the people want. They want a king? Well, we're going to give them a king. 
But God says it's going to cost you more than you bargained for. Don't you know that many times when we make a rash decision, we're thinking about what's right here. That's the nature of pain. You can only see what's right in front of you. If we gave you a root canal with no anesthesia, you wouldn't be thinking about your light bill. You wouldn't be thinking about the job tomorrow. You wouldn't be thinking about taking Johnny to soccer practice. The only thing you would be thinking about is get your hand out of my mouth. So the people are in pain because these sons have become corrupt and there's no leadership and they're making a rash decision and God is saying, this is about to cost you more than you think. And this is what God says. I'm going to paraphrase these things that are in the Scriptures. I strongly encourage you to, you know, don't let me be the only one who reads your Bible. And so you go read the rest of the story for yourself. But these are some things that God says. You're going to have a king, but this is what it's going to look like. Your king, he will take and he will make. Here's what he's going to make. He's going to make your sons into soldiers. He's going to make your sons farm his fields. And he's going to make your sons into blacksmiths. And here's what he means. They're going to have to work manufacturing his war machine. He's going to make your daughters perfumers, cooks, and bakers. I'm just going to say something about perfumers. You know who perfumers are? They're ladies and they make these scents, but then when you make the scent, guess what you else you have to do? You have to go apply it to the king. You know, the king don't move. He's basking in all of his royalty. And the perfumers have to come and, oh, yes, king, and rub it on his neck for him. Him sweating and all nasty and bearded. Hadn't took a bath in three days, but they got to rub it on there. Anyway, you know, and we know how kings are. King's got that wandering eye. So when you, the danger was if my daughter was a perfumer, I didn't want her going in there with the king because the king get to looking at her. He said, I like how you smell and I like how you look. I think I'll just take you for myself. Imagine being a father, having to live with that reality. Difficult. So he will make your children serve him. And here's what he'll take. He'll take the best of your fields. He'll take the best of your vineyards. He'll take the best of your olive groves. And he's going to take a tenth of your grain. He's going to take a tenth of your vintage or your wine. He's going to take your servants and he's going to take your donkeys. He, he, he will even take your sheep. I want to say something. God has given us a little nugget of wisdom about the universe right there. The way of men is they make and they take. Man's way and God's way is not the same. Because a man, when you give him a crown and tell him to build a kingdom, he starts saying, I need, I need, I need. Give me that. You come serve me. He makes, he makes, he makes, and he takes, and he takes, and he takes, and he accrues for himself all the things that he thinks he needs. I was reading this where the king would take a tenth, and I went, I don't know, about what, I don't know what tax rate y'all are paying, but I thought, if the IRS sent me a letter and said, Jordan, we're only going to make you take, pay 10% from now on, I would think God has moved on my behalf. <laughs> that is the way that men lead. But if I may just take one small redemptive rabbit trail, I want to tell you about how God leads. I want to tell you about how God is a king. He was king before there was ever anybody to vote on it. So he doesn't need to vote. He doesn't need to convince us. He was, he is, and he will always be king, ruler, and Lord of all. Amen. Not just Lord of me and not just Lord of you. He's Lord over this earth. He is Lord over the cosmos. That means that he's Lord over Mars and Jupiter. And I love Elon Musk. Let's build a rocket. I'll be the first one on it. Because I know this, that even if I were to find myself on Mars or Jupiter, God will be just as much God on Mars as he is on planet Earth. Because he is God. It is undeniable. It is unquestionable. He is magnificent. And he rules and is clothed in splendor. And this amazing king, do you know what he does? He doesn't make or take. He gives. 
Can I say something to the gate church that we will endure much making and taking in our lives? I can't remember the writer that said it, but two things are certain, death and taxes. It feels that way every pay period when that check hit the bank. But God is eternal. And before he ever asked for anything from you, he just didn't give you something. The scripture says he doesn't give us the scraps from his table. He gave us his best. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Not only did he give you his son, he's given you eternal life to always be with him and to always know him. I don't know about you this morning, but if we went home right there, it has been a good day. Because men will take and take and take, but God always gives. And so as we proceed through this story with Saul, we're going to skip over some details. It's a lovely story. I strongly encourage you to go and read it. But if we look at 1 in Samuel chapter 10, we start to find this, that Saul didn't start a villain. As a matter of fact, it was God who picked Saul. And so I have chosen this word, that Saul was selected. So of all the men of Israel, God could have had any man that he wanted. But God chose Saul. I, it is a great mystery why God picks the people that he picks. I think a lot of times he picks the people that he picks just to remind the rest of the world that he can do what he wants, how he wants, with whoever he wants. He picked Saul. 1 Samuel 10 and verse 1 says, Then Samuel. So Samuel and Saul have connected. It's an interesting story about donkeys. I'll say more about that in a moment. But Samuel took a flask of oil in verse 1 and he poured it on Saul's head. And then he kissed him and said, Is it not because the Lord has anointed you commander over his inheritance? Why oil? That's kind of messy. It's going to take a lot of, lot of Vidal Sassoon to get that oil out your hair. Why? That oil represented God's anointing. And so they just don't, like in church, we don't want to be rude. And so sometimes we put like a little bit on you. Oop. Oop. Samuel took the bucket and poured it. And what's that a picture of? That God's anointing totally saturating Saul. To be king. I want to remind you something about God's anointing that anointing is God's ability to do God's work. If you're going to rule over God's people, you better have God's help. That's all I'm going to say about that. But look at how good God is. He picked Saul. Saul is out looking for his daddy's lost donkeys. He wasn't looking to be made king that day. I'm just trying to help my daddy out and find his lost donkeys. Next thing I know, I've met a prophet. i got a bucket of oil on my head. And this man is telling me I have been picked to be the commander over God's inheritance. But I want to let you know something about God. He won't ask you to do something and then not give you the ability to do it. So there's some of you, sometimes we grappling and we struggling and we striving, but I need to remind you that if God's asked you to do it, He will be faithful and He will give you the anointing that you need to do it. There's some husbands in the room, you need to hear me, God has anointed you to love your wife. Amen. Wives, God has anointed you to love your husband. Business leaders, He's anointed you to rule and reign in your business. No matter what it is that God's asked you to do, He will anoint you to do the job. And so Saul doesn't have any excuse that, well, God asked me to do this and I'm not qualified and he didn't help me. Nope, nope, nope. That's a lie. Because God anointed Saul to rule over his inheritance. But now I want to say this. Anointing is a tricky thing. Be careful what you ask for. Because Samuel says something very potent right here. He says, God has anointed you to be commander over his Inheritance. So you need to remember, Saul, that anointing, somebody needs to write this down, anointing always serves a purpose. And that purpose is never you. I like that. Now see, it's got a little sting on it, but it's the truth. 
God will anoint you to do mighty things as long as it's not about you. His anointing always serves a purpose of caring for, watching for, loving, healing, speaking into His people. There's some people you've wondered, where's my anointing in life? What is it that God's asking me to do? Stop looking in the mirror and start looking at God's people. Because you start finding out saying, God, give me a heart for your people. Help me to, God, show me how I'm to serve and to love and to care for your inheritance. And you'll find that anointing is waiting right around the corner. And isn't God so good? The nation of Israel is beautiful and rich. And this is what he's saying to Saul. Saul, I will share my inheritance with you. I need to say that to the gate church today, that the Scripture teaches us that we are joint heirs with Christ. That means that everything that Jesus stands to inherit, I get to share it. And I love you, you're special, and you're beautiful, but you didn't go to the cross to earn the right to that inheritance like He did. He is so good, He is so generous, He is so merciful that He will share things with us that we didn't bleed for. We go astray when we forget whose inheritance it is that we're anointed to help. Now see, I'm not shouting and hollering, but I just said something right there. Sometimes I pray this. God, help me to love my wife because she was your daughter before she was my wife. And when we're separated in death, she'll be his daughter long after she was my wife. I wonder what would happen in your marriage if you kept remembering that that person that you're in covenant with, they belong to God before they belong to you. And what if I parented my children with the idea in mind that these belong to God and He gave them to me to love them and to watch for them and to build them up and care for them. They weren't just the fruit of my loins. They were in Him before they came through me. And so they're my kids, and you try to take them from me, we're going to fight. You touch my baby, and you're going to see me get mean. But before they were my baby, they were God's. What would happen to the people sitting on the seat beside you if we remembered that? These are not just people. These are not just my friends. These are not just my associates. These are not just people I try to do business deals with. These are God's people sitting on the seat beside me. And that they may not look like me or sound like me, but they're... They're, they're a gift from God in my life, and so I need to love them, cherish them, pray for them, and support them. I need to cheer them on and celebrate them because they are God's before they were mine. We, we miss the mark when we forget whose inheritance it really is that we've been asked to be king over. Saul was looking for donkeys, but he found an anointing, a king's anointing at that. Isn't God good? So don't be upset when someone asks you to help find the donkey. You never know what's waiting around the corner of your service. I like that. Somebody tweet that. I don't have a Twitter, so I need you to help me. You never know what's waiting around the corner of your service. So in verse 6, we see this. So point number one is that God anoints Saul. In verse number 6, God transforms Saul. And so Saul and Samuel are having this conversation where the prophet Samuel, God's representative, transfers God's anointing onto Saul to be king. And he tells him, as you leave here from me and you go to get your donkeys, you're going to see some prophets coming down the road. Don't run away. Don't hide. We, I want you to engage them and to do what they're doing. So in 1 Samuel 10 and 6, it says this, that when you do ministry with those prophets, then the Spirit of the Lord will come upon you, and you will prophesy with them. And let, Oh, I love this. And you will be turned into another man. Sure, I pray that every day. God, turn me into another man. And let it be when these signs come to you that you do as the occasion demands. For God is with you. We love stories about God turning normal people into kings. And He will. But sometimes we forget what's required from us. 
See, God will select you and God will anoint you. He'll pick you out. He'll find you while you're looking for donkeys. But there is something that is required from you. God will even transform you into another person all together. But what do you have to do? You have to obey. See, we've turned obedience into take the trash out the first time mama asked. And that is a very good place to start the lessons of obedience. But just because you've got your own house and your own car and you are I-N-D-E something another independent, that doesn't mean that now you ain't got to obey anymore. I need to remind the God's people about something that there is never a life that you will find yourself in where you have the option to obey God. So you can do it in this life or you will do it in the next life. But obeying God is par for the course. It's part of life. And can I just say this? There is no better life than a life that is lived in obedience to God and to His Word. If you want to be a king, baby, if you want the anointing to rule all over you, and if you want to even find daddy's donkeys while you're doing it, you've got to be willing to step out and let God transform you into another person because you were born with many gifts and many talents. You were born with a calling. You were born with a destiny and a purpose, but I need to remind you that you ain't got it all. Just because you went and took your first breath don't mean that now you're entitled and that now I'm perfect and I'm good and well, I just need, I'm so rich, I just need to discover myself. No, you need to discover what is it that God is asking you to do. A lot of people say, I want to help find my purpose. I want to develop. I want to say, the first question you need to ask is, God, give me something I can obey. Give me a command, a simple command that I can follow. And here's what you're going to find about God's obedience is that you will have to become another person altogether to truly obey God. I would say this, the level that God is able to use you matches how much of a different person you're willing to become. So a lot of people say that we want God to use us and transform us into another person altogether, but we won't change the way we talk. We won't change the way we spend our money. We won't change the way we steward our time. We say, I want God to transform my marriage, but you won't change the way that you talk to her, think about her, listen to her, care for her. So if you want the big benefit, you've got to be willing to let God transform you into another person altogether. And so it seems like that maybe I'm on the war path a little bit right there and then maybe I'm out to get you, but I love you enough to tell you the truth because God himself said in Hebrews 10, and the just shall live by faith, but anyone who draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. Here's what God is saying. If I've asked you to do it, I expect you to step out and to do it. Because if I've called you, I'll anoint you. I don't ask you to do something that I won't help you do it. If God asks you to do something, you don't have any excuse. Because God is faithful. He is patient. He is kind. He will provide for it. And He will pay for it. If He has to send a Samuel to meet you while you're looking for a donkey to pour the oil on your head, that is what He will do. I am speak There's some people at the gate church this morning that you need to hear what I'm saying. God is looking at you and he's saying, I've asked you to become the king or the queen that I need you to become. I've anointed you to become another person. And you're saying, well, I don't know that I'm ready. I want to be humble. I want to be patient. Let me tell you something about humility. Humility doesn't make you a coward. Humility gives you courage because humility remembers it was not man who made me. It was not man who called me. Humility remembers it was God who called me. It it was God who anointed me. And so if God be for me, who can be against me? He that is in me is greater than he that is in the world. There's some people today, you've been in limbo saying, do I need to step out? Do I need to live by faith? Do I need to let God transform me? And please take my words as permission. Yes, because God's soul finds pleasure in people who say, I am scared to death, but I will step out anyway. There's some people you need to step out with your money and say, I'm going to trust God and let him transform my life. There's some people, there's a ministry waiting for you, but all you need to do is step out and say, I'm going to let God transform me. There is a new marriage waiting around the corner for some people. You need to step out in faith and say, I'm not going to be like mama. I'm not going to be like daddy. I'm not going to be like Dr. Phil or Joe Rogan. I'm going to step out in faith that God will meet me and transform me into another person all together. I like that. 
That's helping me. If it ain't helping y'all, it's helping me. Now, I want to say this about prophecy. Prophecy is a powerful thing. It's amazing. It's a wonder to behold, especially when there's some people, some of us, we prophesy by faith. You know, we sense, we feel, we, we speak by faith, what we think we hear God saying. Some people, they're, they're like word of knowledge people, man. They telling you stuff, they ain't no way they could know. Now, I saw a man one time, uh, this is a true story. He's praying, he's in a very small church right here in Oklahoma City. And, and he said, he prays for this little old lady in the back. He says, you right here, come down here. He says, the Lord is telling me that in 1976, you gave away a blue Ford four-door sedan. And this is all God wants to say to you. You gave that because the Lord asked you to. And the word of the Lord to you is that God won't forget. He hasn't forgotten. And he won't let you outgive him. He's going to settle the account. And this woman busted in tears. How in the world could this man know that? What a wonder to behold. Isn't God so good that he gives gifts like this to just normal people like me and you? But let me say this about prophecy. Prophecy alone won't keep you. There's something about anointing. We get in the right environment. We become something more than we are by ourselves. Security does not come from our performance. Security comes from being close to God. If it's God who selected you, anointed you, called you, if it's the Spirit of the Lord that comes on you, and you even prophesy, don't you forget that that gift won't keep you. Only God will keep you. That's good preaching for somebody right there. You might be in your business. You might say, I'm not a prophet. I'm just a businessman. I'm just whatever I am. Don't you forget that it's God that gives you that ability because money can be gone like that. You may have had some money hanging out in the Silicon Bank out in California, and your money disappeared like that. And they walk around like, we loaded, and it's gone. Gone. Money comes and goes. Success come and go. Accolades come and go. People come and go. But proximity to God will always keep you. Well, I guess we're almost done right here. So God anoints Saul, he transforms Saul, and he secures Saul. So now we're going to skip ahead to verses 26 and 27. So Saul came out of nowhere. He's just hunt, hunting for donkeys, and God sends Samuel says, that's the king right there. Get him and anoint him. And so Saul was so timid. That when the anointing of the Lord and the Spirit of the Lord was not on him, he acted, he was a coward. And so Samuel anointed him in private, and he gets around the prophets, and Saul prophesies. It says they prophesied all night. Powerful demonstration. But then when they needed Saul to come out in front of the nation, Saul, they're like, well, where's Saul? We're here to anoint the king, and we can't even find the guy we're supposed to anoint. Where's he at? And God had to tell him, he's hiding back there in the bags. Y'all go get him. Now, I'm about to say something, sneak peek. When he got around others who had the Spirit of the Lord, he'd do great things. He didn't do well by himself. We'll save that one for next time. So he's kind of a nobody, and he's hiding in the bags, and they have to, like, drag him in front of the people, and Samuel goes through the big thing, and then finally they're left. Saul is going to be the king. They anoint him. Woo! crown on his head it even says this that God gave Samuel commands about this is how you honor respect follow and support a king and they wrote it in a book and they kept that book with holy books that this is how we are supposed to treat the king that God gives us and so here's what happens though then in verses 26 and 77 so after the big ceremony it says this that Saul went home to Gibeah And valiant men went with him, whose hearts God had touched. But some rebels said, how can this man, talking about Saul, how can this man save us? So they despised him, and they brought him no presents or no tribute. But Saul held his peace. Good job, Saul. That's probably the last time I think Saul held his peace. I want to say this, that if God has picked you and called you, you won't have to go alone. God doesn't do Rambos. Some of us, we've tried to go through life just us against the world. Life gets hard, I'll get harder. But that's not God's way. God will always give you a heart companion. I like to call them this destiny companions. 
that will serve together, fight together, bleed together. He'll give you battle buddies that they'll go to war with you. You won't have to go alone. So if you're going through alone, you need to seek the Lord about that and say, Lord, show me the people that you want me to walk with and serve with. One of the ways that God secures us is he puts people in our life. So that spouse that he's given you, they're not just a spouse. They're not just your meal ticket. They're a gift from God so that you don't have to go through, long, go through life alone. You may say, well, preacher man, I'm not married. Then here's what I know. If you ain't married, then God is so rich and so good and so faithful, you will probably have many people in your life through the years that will come and go, that they'll cherish you, love you, support you, celebrate you. They'll buy your dinner. They'll buy you a Christmas present. They'll even send you a card on Valentine's Day because God is so good. He does not let anybody go through life alone if we let him bring those people into our life. It's security to have people with you, but I want to, here's the people that Saul connected with. It's people who God had touched their hearts, but now I want to let you know something. God don't touch everybody's heart all at once. And so I need to say this to some people that God is calling you out of the baggage. He's calling you out of the kitchen. Somebody said that to me one time. It transformed my life. It's a very special age. He said, you need to come out of the kitchen. And you need to get down here and sit where you're supposed to sit. And it, it woke something up in me. Changed my life. There's some people that God is calling those things out of us. But you're waiting to step out because you want everybody else's approval and support before you do. I need to let you in on a little bit of secret. Not everybody loves you. I know. I know your mama told you that you're so perfect and so beautiful that everybody, how can, that's how I feel about my babies. I hold them. My mama's blackbird is always the blackest. But when we grow up, we start to have to confront a harsh reality that not everybody loves you. And so if I'm Saul, I'm going, I didn't pick me. I didn't write Samuel a letter and said, here's my resume to be king. Would you please consider that? Saul said, I'm just out here looking for donkeys. It's the prophet that come pick me. Why are y'all mad at me that God picked me to be king? So why don't y'all take y'all bad attitude and go home? That's how I would feel. Why can't you be happy? You're the people that asked for the king. I'm the one that God picked. I didn't necessarily want to be king. You can't wait on everyone's approval for you to become the person that God has asked you to be. God will give you some that he will touch their heart. They'll celebrate you, cherish you, support you, serve you. They may even follow you. God will do that for you. But you can't let them that don't see it stop you from going on with the people who do. I just said a big mouthful right there. I need to let you know that not everybody's going to see it in you what God is doing. Because he was anointed in private. He was recognized in public. There's some people that are in your family that they can't see what God is doing in your life. Some people, they're so worried about their self. They ain't even thought about seeing you the past month. There's a lot of people in your life, they don't go home and go, God, show me what you're doing in that other person's life. Most of us go home, we're saying, God, can you show me what in the world you're trying to do in my life? Oh, so that makes it so special when God does put people in your life that they look and they say, we see that God has drawn you out from the baggage even when you were a little bit of a coward and God has picked you and I'm for you. I'm with you. I'll fight with you. I'll bleed with you. Your battles become my battles. Your enemies become my enemies. Hmm. I wonder if sometimes we're not held back in our assignment because we keep waiting on people who are rebels against what God is doing in our life. We keep wanting their approval, their affirmation. We want them to accept us. We want them to bless us. And let me tell you something, it will never come. Now that's strong medicine and it gets uncomfortable, but I love you enough to confront you with the truth that will set you free. There's some people you need to quit asking for permission and you need to obey. You need to quit waiting for permission and you need to obey. There are some people they will never see what God is doing in your life. And if I was Saul, I'd be like, guys, I was looking for donkeys and in like a week. I have prophesied. The Spirit of the Lord has come upon me. I've been recognized in front of a whole nation. How can you not see that I'm the biggest deal in town? Some people you can never do enough to win them over. Some people in this room need to set yourself free 
from spending all of your time and all of your energy trying to please and convince everyone in your life that God is doing something in your life. And so I'm coming right here to this closing point to let you know this, that there were some who they ridiculed. Saul said, who is this guy? Is he really the one? Right around the corner, a major battle happens. The scripture says that the spirit of the Lord came on Saul and he rose up in boldness and he organized the army and he said, we're going to go fight these evil Ammonites that are trying to harass and subjugate God's people. And Saul, mighty in battle, he crushed the Ammonites so much so that it says no two Ammonites at the end of the battle were found together. That means it was so bad it was every man for himself. He crushed his enemies. And then here's what happened. People said, we see now that God has picked Saul so strongly. Go find the people who were talking about him and let's kill them. I need to let you know that if you let God win your battles for you, people who were your enemies, you won't have to fight them. The results will speak for themselves. I like that so much. The scripture says that vengeance is mine, says the Lord. You quit trying to win all them people over. You just follow God and obey God. And you say, God, let your spirit come upon me that I'll be mighty in the battles that you have for me to fight. And you let the results speak for themselves. And you watch people who were your enemies. They'll come and bow and say, forgive me for not seeing what God was doing in your life. Because if God selects you, he'll anoint you. He'll transform you, and He will secure you. My goodness. So this has been a little bit of a different sermon, I know. It's a different format than what we're used to. I want to leave you with this parting thought. This, the start to Saul's story is marked at every turn. We have every reason to believe that he will be a tremendous success. We see that God has not withheld any advantage from Saul except one thing. There is one thing that separated Saul's rise to power from David's rise to power. And I'm not going to tell you what it is. You'll have to come back next week. In parting, I want to say this. There are things that only God can do. Only God can select you you cannot select yourself. Only God can anoint you because you can't anoint yourself. Only God can transform your heart because we can't transform our own selves. Only God can secure you because your best efforts are always temporary. God will do this for you. But as I was contemplating these things late last night, these thoughts started to occur to me about there's things that only God can do, but then there's some things that only I can do. Only you can submit to God. Only you can remember who you were anointed to help. So God will transform your heart, but only you can steward it. A wise man once taught some of us that God will bless you, but he won't balance your checkbook for you. So he'll transform your heart, but only you can steward it. He'll secure you, but you have to choose to stay close to him. These are things that only you can do for yourself. So thank you for being so patient with me today. What I would like to do is actually pray for you. Is that okay? So here's what I'd like for you to do. I'd like for you to please stay in your seats. If you want to stand, that's okay. But if you will, just stay in your seats. I'm going to actually ask the band to just be quite soft, if you don't mind, ladies and gents. And I just want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. Don't be looking around. Don't be worried about your neighbor. Don't be worried about me even. Just listen to some of the things that I want to pray over you. We know that Saul's story doesn't end well. We'll be talking some more about that in the future. But I want to say this to you. Your story is not over. The scripture says that God is the author and the finisher of our faith. Your life is a story that he is still writing. And so you may be sitting here, man, I started off like Saul, but I lost my way. 
I want to say this. It's never too late to do what's right. It's never too late to trust in God. And there are some people who are in here saying, I want my story to start. I want those things that Saul had. I want God to select me and anoint me and transform me and secure me. I want those things in my life. And here's all I want to pray for you is that as God does that, you'll not lose your way. Is that okay if we pray that? That's a simple prayer, but it is a powerful prayer. I think the most powerful prayers are simple prayers. So if you will, you just take on a receiving posture. And as I pray, I'm going to trust that the Lord will give you all that you need. So Lord, we pray this today as the congregation of the Gate Church. Lord, we open our hearts to you to receive from you. Lord, we receive the truth of your word. Lord, thank you for this rich and vibrant story that you've secured through thousands of years so it can get right here to me today. And God, there are many of us in this room today, we ask this, God, do for us what you did for Saul. Select us, anoint us, secure us, transform us, God. It's not wrong for us to want you to work in our lives, God. And Lord, as you do these things for us, we ask that you teach us and give us grace that we will be able to do what only we can do. God, keep us and protect us from losing our way. Lord, protect us from forgetfulness about who it is that picked us and found us. And God, it was you that picked us out from the crowd. God, don't protect us from forgetfulness. Lord, help us to remember who you are, who you've asked us to be, and what it is that you've asked us to do. Because, God, we know that to some degree or another, every person in this room is called to be a king or a queen, to rule over something, to minister to someone, to steward something. God, we ask for your help. And this is where I need you to help me a little bit because even some of these things I can't say for you. You're going to have to say it for yourself. But, God, I say today, whatever it is that you've given me, I need your help, God, to keep it and to steward it. Lord, help me. God, we need help to become the people that you've asked us to become. Lord, I know this, that if you were faithful to Saul, your scripture says you are no respecter of persons. You are no respecter of faces. That if you were faithful to Saul, you were faithful to David, that God, you'll be faithful to every single person one of us. Can we say amen this way together? God, thank you for your faithfulness to me. You need to say that. God, thank you for your faithfulness to me. And all of God's people said amen and amen and amen. Thank you for being such a patient audience today. It's been such a pleasure to partake in God's word together. And my belly is full. My heart is full. So thank you for sharing together with me. Please, if you are able, make sure that you're able to be here next week for Vision Sunday. Holly and I are so excited to share with you what God has laid on our heart for the next chapter of the Gate Church. So you need to know this, that Holly and I love you. The team here loves you. God loves you. And there ain't nothing you can do about it. Go and be blessed. Hey, Gate Church family, once again, thank you so much for joining us today and being a part of all that God is doing. We pray that your life was touched right where you are. Whether you're watching live or you're watching the replay, we know that God is moving. We know that he's speaking to you. You know, there's one thought that Pastor Jordan said that I thought was excellent. And he said this, that only God can select us. Only God can anoint us. Only God can transform us and secure us because that we cannot do for ourselves. But we can submit to God and we can be who he's asked us to be. And so just like Pastor Jordan mentioned, someone had to call him out of the kitchen. I want to call you out of the kitchen today. Maybe you've been hiding. Maybe you've been in your comfortable place. But I want to encourage you that God has something incredible waiting for you. He desires to live and move and have his being in and through your life. So I'm going to pray for you. I want to speak a blessing over you. Father, I pray for my friends that are watching today. God, I thank you that you have called them, you've appointed them, you've set them apart. And now, God, we just call them forth into everything 
that you've called them to be. God, into everything that you desire of them. God, into everything that you ask of them. Lord, we know that not every person is meant to be the same, act the same, do the same. But God, you've given each and every one of us a mandate and an assignment. And God, we want to obey you and we surrender to all that you're doing. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for watching. If this is your first time, if you've never given your heart to Christ, if we can pray for you in any way, please reach out to us in the comments. We would love to pray with you. We would love to agree with you. If you have a testimony that you'd like to share with us, we would love to hear it. We'd love to share what God is doing all over the earth. Thank you for joining us. My name is Eva, and we'll see you right here next week.